I am Eric Phillips, and I wholeheartedly endorse this podcast. Welcome along to episode three of the Rock and Gold podcast, the official podcast of Dumbarton Football Club. My name is Fraser Clark, and once again, I'm joined by Chris McMillan as we review another action-packed few weeks in the history of Dumbarton FC. We'll also be joined by Sun CNG Systems Player of the Month for September, Calvin Orsi. Well, I say we'll be joined here. We're actually recording this podcast upside down. He's been and gone. Uh, but trust me, it's well worth a listen when that's, we get to that that's the way. That's the way it works, post-production. That's the way things go, and it means that we can recommend that you continue listening if you want to hear about him crying for his maw and talking about <laughs> why Morton was his dream move. Uh, but first, we'll look back on how things have been since our last podcast, and we'll start with the last home game against Albion Rovers. Uh, Chris, that wasn't 90 minutes. It'll live overly long in the memory. Yeah, no, it wasn't, and... <laughs> What is this, the third episode? And I think this might be the second or third time I'm basically saying the same type of thing, which is odd considering the, the start of the season, obviously, and the position that we're in. Yeah, the, the game was... It was weird, because I think we said to each other at half-time, it was it was not bad. It the was like, first half was quite enjoyable. It was quite watchable. Um, and certainly, you know, from a commentator's uh, perspective, that's the very least that you want. And the second half just... It just died a death, really, and it didn't really get going. It felt very much like a, a a half where two teams were a bit too scared to go and try and win it and just a bit terrified of losing it as well. And I think that really came across in the game. Um, the the boy Charlie Riley as well, which who had a really decent first half. He, he is and was um, Rovers' main threat, scored the goal. And he was he was done after about ten minutes of the second half, and yeah, Dumbarton just never. I, I don't know if it was the fear of of winning or whatever, or maybe just you know have what you hold, but it just didn't really get going in that second half. I felt like it was maybe you were seeing signs of the hangover from the Sterling Albion game, which mm. we won't touch on. It's been, it's gone, <laughs> and we don't need to relive it. Yeah, the, the main the, thing is it's not. We can see already it's not become a complete repeat of the Peterhead game. No, and it, it's a blip now. You can look at that. And that and was say the that. Fu- that was the worry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was maybe you had an Albion overside who, if you'd offered them a point away from home at Dumbarton before kickoff, I think they would have absolutely taken it, and I think they'd be quite pleased with that. And you had the Dumbarton team that thought, right, hang on a minute. <sighs> point here it is well within our grasp let's stop the rot and yeah the second half I, I think you had two teams who were I don't want to say they were happy with a draw I'm not sure they would I think Albion Rovers maybe would have been Suns wouldn't say they were happy with a draw but I think the players maybe would have been relieved to get back in and just that's that's the strong Albion yeah. game has been and gone it's over and we've stopped the rot we've been defensively solid again for 90 minutes and we've scored a goal okay it's from the penalty spot again but we're back up and running. We've got the, the show's back on the road again. It's interesting you mentioned the penalty spot. I'm glad you did. We have already spoken about the fact that a lot of goals are coming from the penalty spot. You know, that was obviously the case against Albion Rovers again. Is that still a concern in your mind at all? or? It, it's weirdly a home thing, I think. I, yeah. I can't get my head around it, but it seems to weirdly be a thing that's happening at home an awful lot. I mean, that's a lot of... I think his son's last goal from open play at home would have been, he says, looking at Chris as he he pulls through his mind. I'm trying to think if we've actually got to commentate on one since we reintroduced streaming, and I'm not sure that we have done at home. What uh, was the first game we did was... first game was Elgin, which yeah. was two penalties from Ali Love. Bonnie Rigg, penalty. penalty. Albion Rovers, penalty. penalty. So, so no, so we've yeah. done four penalties, and I think four home goals. His son's home form has been really good. It's been almost flawless. Um, I think that will be a, a slight frustration. Not that 
goals from penalties don't count and as Stevie Farrell says you only get penalties by being in the opposition box and by being a threat and by being a danger which Dumbarton have been um, but I, I think I was maybe a wee bit more concerned about prior to the Cumnet game and then the Cumnet game okay there was another penalty in that but Sun scored twice from open play one you know really decent a, a great time in the game a really good cross by Ross McLean a really aggressive header by Gregor Buchanan and then Finlay Gray doing what Finlay Gray does and then obviously last week at Annan scoring a really well worked goal is maybe just sort of like it's maybe an anomaly at the moment yeah well so the, with the, if we're looking at it in the sense of the Albion Rovers game it was maybe more a case of let's just not lose let's not let that Sterling game bleed into anything that we're trying to do and although it was a bit weird it's probably a game that was there for the taking for maybe either side yeah. and then they've probably both just maybe written it off a little bit move on but we mentioned after that game almost regardless of what the Albion Rovers result was going to be the Cumnick game that result then takes a, a whole different perspective on it doesn't it yeah. and how did you feel when they equalised because how many times have you seen those types of games especially in the cup wet night like you know t- it was, it TV was, it was perfect for an upset wasn't it yeah. and if I was watching that if that was Cumnock against Sterling Albion Sterling Albion sorry or Cumnock against Stenhouse Muir or Annan or you know whoever from League 2 then I'd have really fancied them at that stage but I think what Suns did really well was they and it's what you don't want to see as a fan watching as a neutral and it's what you wouldn't want to see on telly they just managed the game so professionally like they killed every every team is going to have a spell in a game it might be 10 minutes at the start it might be 10 minutes in the second half it might be the last 10 minutes every team in every game is going to have a spell where they're on top and Suns really dominated this first half but not in a kind of you know I'm going to say dominated but without dominating if that makes sense they did enough to manage the game there was nothing really to get the Cumnock fans into the game and I think Cumnock's manager said afterwards that he was so so disappointed with how they performed in the first half and I would agree with that I was expecting a lot more but that was largely because Dumbarton kept possession because they didn't really give Cumnock a sniff and to be fair they started the second half well they got their goal you know it was it was a defensive mistake the guy still has to finish it off and all that and then it was like right okay what are you made of Dumbarton because then the fans are getting behind it then it's easy for players to go hang on a minute like everyone is rooting for us and there would have been there would have been nerves in the the fans and probably a a couple of players absolutely absolutely and it would be that don't make us the upset don't make us what ended up happening to Annan in that ridiculous game with Pollock which is one of the most enjoyable 90 minutes that I've watched but say after the goal maybe for the 10 minutes Dumbarton were a wee bit rocky and then it was just like, no, we're the better team here. Been the better team in the first half. We're playing at a higher level. Grabbed the game back by the kind of scruff of the neck. To be fair, a massive, massive part of that was Ryan Wallace coming on. And just the intelligence he's got, the way he uses his body, the way he knew where to position himself, just it almost calmed things back down. And I think in these cup ties, if the underdog's going to win, it needs to be a frantic cup tie. And if the big team's going to win, it needs to be calm and they need to control it and dominate it and dictate it. And that's what Dumbarton did to get over the line. And... I think if you'd offered any Suns fan a 3-1 win in that performance, they would have bitten your hand off. It was a really professional job and it reflected well on the players and it reflected well on the management and the club on telly to basically see them going down there and overcoming a a potential banana skin cup tie with, I don't want to say with relative ease, but in a really professional way. They looked like a club who were playing a couple of divisions higher. I think uh, the the turf would have been slippy enough without banana skins on there due to the weather. (laughs) Have you ever been that wet? <laughs> I, I wasn't there, but um, oh goodness, I was watching on BBC Scotland. I saw the second half, to be fair, because I was working it a little bit earlier on. But uh, just the the sight of uh, Ryan Stevenson and 
I think it was Julie Fleeting, yeah, just was, under yeah. those massive, massive umbrellas. <laughs> like, yeah. Steve-O doesn't look like the type of guy who likes being out in the rain, I would No, I don't think he does. His clothes are too stylish. They don't yeah. look as good when they get wet. But You know, what if I, they shrink a little bit? You know, they're already they're, quite tight. They're quite tight. And, you know, he's, he's a fairly built guy. <laughs> in fact, if they shrunk, he'd just take them off and show <laughs> off the tats. So, um, it, it, was, it was ridiculously wet. I mean, I think at most grounds you go to, there'll be somewhere where you can get a wee bit of cover. Uh, Cumnock obviously had sectioned the ground off in half and, and strategically Dumbarton fans had the half without any cover and nice. when Suns fans went to stand underneath the wee TV gantry where the commentator was or where the cameraman was uh, a BBC man wearing very officious BBC clothes came and chased them away so they had to go and stand in the rain <laughs> so I ended up in my sort of big bench jacket looking like something from Star Wars and um, a guy who was down from us saw that we had like a spare umbrella because I was like I can't be bothered folding an umbrella so we ended up uh, renting our umbrella out as well so it was nice to see fans coming together in that sort of way it's uplifting and did you get a pie? Uh, no, <laughs> no ironically I didn't end up getting a pie because the queue was too big by the time I got there and I thought nah I'll just leave it I, I, I can't I'm soaked and my pie's going to be soggy and you know you don't want to you don't want to no, <laughs> don't 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 <laughs> that's <the> plenty <laughs> yeah Oh dear. <laughs> that was going down an alleyway that I was not content to go down. So, let's move on to Annan Athletic. And you were there, I wasn't, as the listeners probably figured out. I'm not required at away games. So, unless there's some highlights, I don't get to see the away games. And lo and behold, there was no highlights from Annan. Um, that's fine, like I'm not raging, but I've not seen anything. Yes. But I was talking to you beforehand, so I've seen a photo of Greg Wilde scoring the goal, and I said to you, I think I know what type of header that was. Cushioned, looped over the goalkeeper, which you confirmed, and I am delighted. <laughs> it must be like the olden days when there was no highlights, and the only way of getting to see how a game went. And I remember this growing up was like if we if we hadn't been to an away game, we'd got a result, then I just would be like excitedly refreshing the website, waiting on Donald Fullerton's photos to go up in case he had one of like goal celebrations, because like goal celebrations I just love, and that way you can start to paint a wee image of what it was like. But no, Annan Annan was. Um, it was a very much a sort of down to bare bones Dumbarton team. Obviously, uh, John Gemmell out long term. Declan Byrne, which we'll need to touch on, is, is out for two months, which is a huge blow. Um, and it seems like he was maybe playing through it a wee bit, and that's why performances had dipped a wee bit, or that he wasn't getting as much game time. Um, and Ryan Wallace obviously suspended in that one. But Annan was, I think, the definition of a very hard fought three points. I thought Dumbarton managed the game really, really well when they took the lead. And it's it's something that we've seen a lot from the Sun side, is that when they take the lead, their management of the game is really good. So Annan had, I think, I don't want to say over 70%, but round about the 70% possession mark. And I, I saw somebody kicking off on Facebook about that. But they had one shot on target. Now, if you go away from home and you restrict a team to one shot on target and you win that game and you keep a clean sheet, I think every manager in the country would be taking that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know... Faz said as much, didn't he? He did, and it was really interesting post-match because he, he spoke, like, he was he was quite kind of fired up that he didn't feel the team were getting the credit that they deserved. And, I mean, the stats don't lie, and he, he rang them off, and we've looked into them a wee bit as well. The stats do not lie. Dumbarton, do, you, do you think he felt that a little bit as well, coming off the back of that defeat at Sterling Albion? Uh, I think to a degree, yeah, because I think the start to the season had been... or was stroke to a degree still is is phenomenal like it's beyond it record breaking yeah it's beyond the Martin fans wildest dreams and it almost felt with some people and I, I get this because of how the past few seasons have been that it's like 
waiting on it to fail so you can go either I told you so or I knew it was too good to be true, I knew it would all crumble and almost the recent results whilst they haven't, you know, the form's tailed off a wee bit. I spoke to Brett Long afterwards though and he was like, it's four games that we didn't win in, it's not the end of the world, like... It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, it's going to happen to every team in this league. Um, I almost feel like the way that the run obviously ended down at Stranraer and then with the Sterling game after that, that, like I said, people were expecting it to come to an end, people were expecting it to fail. I don't want to say they were willing it to fail, that's not true, but there was almost a, there was, I, I think with an element of, of some people, I, I told you so aspect, I knew it was too good to be true, now we'll plummet down the league, and to be fair, I, I was sat on Pine Bovril before the game at Annan, and uh, saw, saw somebody posting that Dumbarton, like Suns fan in the thread, that Suns would be lucky to avoid relegation this season, and like, I understand that there is a pessimism with being associated with Dumbarton Football Club. Like, I am on the more optimistic side and I still have that pessimism and I still expect when things are going well that they're going to go the wrong way, like, pretty soon. It's just inbuilt in all of us, I think. But let's let's look at the cold, hard, bare facts. Dumbarton have almost got as many points as they got last season. They weren't automatically relegated last season. Dumbarton are sitting second in the league as we record this podcast. They're level on points with the team at the top of the league and if it wasn't for a kind of crazy 6-12-goal swing in one game, Dumbarton would be, well, there would be, what, a fingernail between them and Sterling Albion. There would be very, very little in it. This has been an outstanding start to the season. Now, people can say what they want about performances and things like that and, and I fully understand that and I think everybody's dream is for a team that's scoring goals, playing Man City-esque football and winning games. But if you had to pick one of those things, which one are you picking? You're picking the winning games every day of the week, aren't you? And that's what Dumbarton have been doing. And so doing. is the manager. And that's what Dumbarton have been doing this season. So, look, nobody knows how the season's going to pan out. And again, Faz has said that, like, you know, we could not win for the next, what would it be, 20-odd games and end up in a relegation battle. Or we could win the next 20 games and end up, you know, romping to the league title. But... I do think there maybe needs to be a bit of an appreciation for how good this start has been and just enjoy it. Like, this is already this season, in terms of games I've been to, I've seen Dumbarton win as many games this season as I did in the whole of last season. In terms of, and I went to, I think I only missed maybe one game last season, Cove away, I think, maybe. I certainly didn't miss many. And it's a lot of travelling that we all do, and it's a lot of nervous Saturdays if you're watching it on Twitter or whatever. So see when we win a game. Just enjoy it. Like, see, the performance isn't great. You've got three points. At the end of the day, the league table isn't based on performances. It's not based on goals scored. It's based on three points. Yeah, and that's what Stevie Farrell was saying to you after the Annan game, and he was extremely bullish about that as well. But it's essentially telling the, the fans to enjoy the situation, enjoy the, you know, a title race. You know, his, his words, you know, he's called it a title race. He's told the fans to enjoy the title race. You know, maybe there's some fans out there that won't quite agree with that that choice of phrase but enjoy it and get behind it and so you talked that you mentioned there that we had a little look at the stats so he did mention um, that uh, he didn't think there'd be many other clubs he did specify after 12 games that would have the points per game that Dumbarton have got in the UK Yeah. so I did have a little look into that and he's not wrong so in Scotland, only Celtic and Rangers, obviously, have got more, and that's after 12 games. So Celtic have got 2.75, and Rangers have 2.42. But that's to be expected. That's yeah. ridiculous. But that's in that's in the whole country. Only those two have more. Sterling have the same, obviously. That's uh, after 12 games, 
So that's the figure that we're looking at, 2.17 for Dumbarton. In England, after 12 games, it's only Arsenal who have 2.58. They've had a remarkable start to the season. Their fans are in dreamland. And Manchester City, who have 2.42, and that's after 12 games as well. So it's only Rangers, Celtic, Arsenal and Manchester City after 12 games that have got better than Dumbarton and Sterling Albion. I went a little bit lower down, but it, it is difficult because there's obviously more games in the English lower leagues. But um, Plymouth and Ipswich in League One have got better. Ipswich, are at, they're second. They've got 2.18. And Plymouth are top. They've got 2.41. But they've both played 17 games. And only in League Two, it's Leighton Orient, who've played 16. And they're at 2.44. And they're top of the league as well. So... I don't know whether Stevie Farrell went through these statistics himself before he said that. It felt a bit more like a spur-of-the-moment type phrase, you know, yeah. like I don't want to say accusation or anything like that, but, you know, the, this, the numbers are there. It, it does back it up. It, it really has been a remarkable season and there's not really many other teams that can touch them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think I'm more than happy to sort of, you know... You can listen to people's concerns and I fully understand that people want Dumbarton to play better football or if they only come to home games, they, they although the home form's been good, they won't see them score from open play very often as we touched on. I, I understand that, like I, I fully get that, but I think maybe there's a bit of, you know, take a step back and think about it. If you were, see if uh, Sterling Albion had this start and Dumbarton were maybe sat on 15 points, you know, mid-table, some like fifth place, We'd be looking at Sterling Albion, and if their fans were complaining, we'd be going complaining about kill for a start like that. I was actually, uh, actually, was speaking to uh, one of the local reporters down in Annan last week because that's obviously that's that's what you do. You just have to socialise with people who do your job in different parts of the country. And I tipped Annan to finish second in the league this season. I thought they looked really, really strong. And for the past couple of years under Peter Murphy, save for a couple where they've dropped down, they've they've been right up there fighting for promotion. And I thought this could be Annan's time. They've got a really good squad. Um, They've got a, a striker in Tommy Goss who's absolutely flying at the moment. They've got a cracking goalkeeper in Greg Fleming. Right throughout the team, there's a lot of quality going on there. And they've obviously had a, a really poor start to the season. And he was taken aback by Fazzi's comments because he was like, are your fans, you know, you're not happy with the start? And I was like, no, they're not. Like, There are some people who have been like, the results have been good, the performances haven't. And there are some people who are like, oh, we're getting very, very lucky. Luck only takes you so far. And I don't think luck is as big a factor after this many games into the season but also he was like well any Annan fan I can tell you would have bitten your hand off like bitten your hand off in a second if you said you want to swap positions so I've heard it said a few times and I think it's a really interesting point that Dumbarton almost started too well I don't know what you think about that I can see you start thinking about it start with what was it seven consecutive wins people expect wins every week and when that starts to slip a wee bit which it will do, and we had Martin McNiff on the podcast a couple of months ago, and he said, you, you know, when we lose a game, it's how we respond to that, it's important. And I, I think Dumbarton have almost started too well. If you split it up, if you give Dumbarton Sterling Albion start, and they lost on the opening day, and, and it took them a wee while to get a run of results together, but now they're level on points, exactly the same number of points as Dumbarton, as we record this podcast, and you ask any Albion fans how they're feeling, they are absolutely loving life at the moment, and I think they're on seven straight wins or something obscene like that as well themselves. So they are, they are flying... Did Dumbarton start too well? Or, well, of course they didn't start too well, but is that maybe causing issues? I think it might be. And it's just take a step back and look at the league, look at where we were last season, albeit in a higher division, and go, you know what? 
Seafton Barton are winning games makes my Saturdays an awful lot happier. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the the nature of the way that the run ended, you know, it can happen. You're, you're away, rescheduled game, cold Tuesday night in Stranraer. Can you do it? In a cold can Tuesday you do night it? In Stranraer. You know, there was some, there was still some fight in that performance. It was two goals in what ten minutes to bring it back. You, you can see in the last minute it happens. Yeah. I just, I think there was so much on the Stirling Albion game. I think if you go away to Stirling Albion, especially where they've ended up and the run that they've gone on, if it's a tight game, you maybe lose one 0 You're away at your big, the first meeting against what. But it's probably going to turn out to be your closest rivals. It happens, yeah. and it's about how you bounce back. I just, I really think that man, that the manner of the defeat, maybe, but the the, the scoreline and the similarities to the start of last season and that defeat at Peterhead, and it just all started unraveling. And I, I think that's a real big part of it. But you said you have to, you have to bounce back. Martin McNiff said that, and. This Suns side have shown that in the in the next three games. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that was I think that the Peterhead game last season, which we keep going on about because it felt like such a turning point. But I think that is the ideal one to explain why this is happening because Dumbarton fans last season, and I include myself in that. I think after the start, which by the way was statistically nowhere near as good as the start to this season, there was still quite a few defeats in there. But after the start last season, I was going up to Peterhead thinking, you know what, we can push for the playoffs here. Maybe not finishing them, but we can push for fourth and you know maybe finish fifth or sixth but we can certainly put together a playoff push and then it unraveled and I think that's why that's why we're seeing this from Suns fans now they're going nah 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 you fooled me once you're not going to take me again but maybe it is the time to start believing the rock and roll podcast welcome back to the rock and Go podcast and as you can see if you're watching in the stream we are joined by the CNG systems player of the month for the month of September. I think I'm right in saying Calvin Orsay. Calvin, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. And getting your head around being on a podcast in the salubrious facilities that we have on offer. <laughs> I feel like Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Calvin, obviously thank you for joining us and congratulations on Player of the Month. Um, talk me through how this season has been for you because last year, and we spoke about it after Cumnock, but last year you obviously spent a lot of time up front. You switched out wide this season and it's been, it's been like a different player. No, definitely. I was always a winger. I was never a striker, but uh, just the way it happened, the gaffer wanted me to play there, and it, it suited well for the start of the season. And then eventually, obviously, we, we took a dip as we went down. But I eventually was just saying to him that was one of my favourite positions. Uh, this season, he's gave me the chance because I was in his ear, obviously, seen it last season, and eventually he gave us the chance. And it's, uh, it's it suited a lot for the way we play. And uh, ah, it's, it's it's just gone well. It, it's just I, I probably no much more to say. I it, it worked out. I feel like you and Aaron Linus as well have built up a really really decent partnership down that right hand side. And it was something. Remember the Steny away game back at the end of August, which was like really really evident. The two you just kind of know where each other were, constantly talking to each other. So how how good's it been playing with him? And also you'll go up and down that line all day long behind you. Well, it's good because I was actually at Brecon, Aaron. Uh, for two years so I knew him very very well before and yeah funnily enough we both played in that side so it always worked out for us and I know when he came it's just a familiar face and knows how I play. So is there anything as well you said that you started the season up front you wanted to go back out wide I just wanted to ask about is there a little thing about the having the number nine on your back do you think maybe fans are judging you a little bit more when you've got a nine on your back rather than a seven even if you're playing out wide? Uh, maybe so, maybe so, because the, the difference with having nine in the back, it's, it just says goals, do mm. you know what I mean? And I felt 
that I brought more than just goals in the sense uh, obviously as a striker that's what you want but I, I would work a lot I'd try and hold it in I would like to turn and try and get people but if I, you're, you're judged on how many goals you get at the end of the day as a striker and I feel somebody like Deco, Gemmo, Waldo that's more suited to them and I believe they can fill that role better than I could is the same way as I could fill a certain role in the wing that they couldn't so I, I agree that is probably more pressure in that sense and it's not that I wasn't up for the challenge it's just that Ward didn't come to me as naturally as playing wide did because I'd played it for such a young age So let's jump back then and it's something that I love doing on the podcast and you obviously started your career with Aberdeen, but before that, you're from Yoker. You're kind of a local guy, like Martin McNiff, who, had, boys. who <laughs> had on the podcast as well. So talk me through the kind of uh, your first first steps in football. Who did you play with at Boys Club, and uh, where did it all start? Uh, actually, so long ago. I played uh, for a team called Southside. I think I don't, it wasn't even a local team as well. We had so many more local teams. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> but uh, my mum obviously found a, an ad in the papers that was for a local team there. And then she actually got my cousin Carlo that played for his last season. She got the both of into it, and his older brother. Uh, and we all eventually started playing there. Uh, at eight or nine years old, I went to Livingston. I signed with them when I was 10. So I was there for a year and couldn't sign because you can't sign until you're like 10 yeah. or something, certain contract. But So we were, played there for a couple of years. I went to Aberdeen 12 up until 18. I was I lived up there for two or three years, yeah. and then uh, I was at St Mirren where I made my debut, and then I've been everywhere. Breaking <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a couple of years, Morton, and then the Michael Dumbarton. <laughs> how how quickly did you realise? First of all, I guess that you wanted to be a footballer, and secondly, that you know because everybody grows up and everyone wants to be a footballer, and most people end up like us two jobbers, kind of sat here with only like a kind of pipe dream to have any career at any level, but. How, how quickly did you realise that that was what you wanted to do? And I guess secondly, that it was quite realistic. Like, if you got your head down and you knuckled on with it, that it was it was possible. Uh, it's That's the funny thing about football. People say that, but it's like, nothing certain. Like, do you know what I mean? You're, you're just happy at the time that you're in it. And you always aim to see where you can go. But uh, probably when I went to... When I went to Breaking, because we were playing in the Championship. I know it was part-time, but still it was in the Championship. And then you're playing against some teams and you're actually thinking, hey, if I, I played well against them, I could maybe nip a, a full-time team here and it's it starts to become real when you're when you're playing against people that are in the same league as you, just that they're at a full-time level, so you start to go, like, oh, it, could, it could be pursued as a, a full-time dream here. You touched on it there, that you obviously moved up to Aberdeen for a wee bit when you were really, really young as well, so what was that like? That must have been quite quite difficult as a kid, moving away from home, from away from the family and I just sort of following the dream. Uh, that was one of the hardest periods of my life because I'm a total homebird as you see Yoker is like <laughs> my grand my auntie's uncles everybody still stays there I'm still there most of the time uh, friends are all there so it was it was difficult for me just having a I think it makes it harder as well that maybe and like I heard Dundee that they had their boys stay up there and they all stayed in the same compound or something like that that would have been easier but I stayed with a fond boy Jem and I stayed we are landlady and you're you can't go into the you can't go into the fridge. They're trying to make it homely as they can, but like for you, you're you're walking in and you're going, oh, should I should I be taking something? She's there. Could I not? Do you know what I mean? You're just there. It's no ho- as homely mm. as you feel it should be. Uh, and I missed my mommy. I was phoning my mum all the time. I was I was only like fifteen, sixteen. 
She's going to need to listen to this now that you said that. <laughs> I know. I, I did, and I, I would always been. And I think, I don't know if I gave myself the chance because I would go home every weekend to see everybody. And I remember I a goalie coach that was telling us to just, he's like, don't go home. He's like, I go home every now and then. He said, make this your home, and that is like you're, you're just visiting. But I, I could never separate it. I just, I would make it clear to people where I'm for Glasgow. I just, I come up here. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, it just, that festers me. So I probably made it harder for myself than I probably could have. So, you know, obviously, I know that Aberdeen have that kind of Glasgow club down here, or whatever it is, the Glasgow boys who basically go up there. So who, who was in your Aberdeen team and who were the kind of other central belt boys at the time? Uh, we were, there was a boy, Daniel Harvey, that plays for... MK Dons. Now. MK yeah, Dons. Danny for a bit. was very, very close with Danny. Uh, he's been on, done very well. Uh, I had a friend, Jamie Henry, he's moved to England, I don't know what level, but it's like still a good level for where they're at, but still yeah. a good few divisions down. Uh, I'm trying to think, jeez, I'm not putting this in good light. Yeah, I'm, not spot, yeah. I'm, I'm not putting any of the Glasgow boys in good light, I don't know what teams some of them play for, but uh, we had an old like Aberdeen like legend that used to take his uh, Peter Weir, mm-hmm. and he was one of the best coaches I've had, he was a uh, old school tough. Uh, and he played in the wing, so he, me and him had a really good relationship. Even when I wasn't good in school, I think he was. My mum would go to him and tell him to give me a telling off. Uh, but some of the boys, I'm, I'm on the spot. I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel, I feel guilty. I know. Talk to you right in it. Darn Hines, a, a boy that was. I think Darn. I don't know if he was here or not, but he's at Morton full time now as well. So there was quite a few boys, off the top of my head, I can't really mind, but there's a few that have went on and still played full-time, I feel. Yeah, I wanted to ask, uh, just, just just quickly, because you brought him up, but uh, Carlo, when you when he was here last season, I mean, how much did you enjoy playing with him? I, he was a player that really caught my eye. I thought, I thought he was. I thought he had a really, really good season, despite the the, obvious, the the issues with relegation, but did you enjoy playing with him, and especially when you were down that right-hand side at times as well? Uh, I, Carlo's a good, good player, and he's... Uh, it was it was actually me that saying to my gaffer, I was like, Gaffer, I think uh, he's not going anywhere on loan. I think it would be a good option if you're interested. And I think as soon as he heard, he was like on the phone straight away. And, and I'd already spoke to him before I'd mentioned it to the gaffer. And as my cousin, I was like, I know what he was feeling. He was like, I just want to play. So when he came here, I was like, that will really, really help us. And it, it's good playing with your family. Obviously, people are only seeing the 90 minutes on... I started it, but they're not seeing when I'm on at him and that at training. I'm trying to, because he's naturally probably quite a relaxed, lazier boy, but in the park he works hard. So I'm probably on his case all the time, but it was, it was it's good playing with your family. Do you know what I mean? It's, especially with a good relationship and and he's adding to the team. So it was good. It was a good experience. I would, if I get the chance, I would do it again. Oh, yeah. It's a good experience when you're winning. I mean, yeah. when you're losing games, the household must be a wee bit frosty in the family gatherings on a Sunday or we're going out with Carlos family and you're just like, oh man, we're going to have to sit and everyone will be going, how did you get on at the weekend, boys? And you'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> frosty regardless, we are going No, obviously, it's, it adds a different dynamic because you're taking home your, your, Saturday, your Saturday's game, you're taking with you and you're He's like getting on each other, but he's one thing about him. He's quite good like that. He's no, we'll probably meet with Fester all week, and I'm like, oh no, and he's quite just. He knows that it's done. It's not gonna. It's, it's not gonna affect. Well, it's gonna affect next week's game if you allow it. And I was probably a bit more like that. We'd be desperate to play, and you just like take it easy. 
So he's got the kind of laid back Italian temperament, and you've got the kind of more fired up Italian temperament. Going Aye, on. <laughs> knew you were going to say Friday there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aye, no, definitely. Aye, we must be from different parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you left Aberdeen and came back down much closer to home to St Mirren, and I think it was at 2016, I've got in my notes. So talk me through that time. That was that Alex Ray, Jack Ross sort of time, and, and Chris McMillan would have been kicking about the background at St Mirren Media around about that time as well, I think. Yeah, I was. I, I had a couple of opportunities, but unfortunately, you weren't playing when I was commentating there, so. Uh, yeah, it was because it was Alec Ray at the start, and then uh, Jack Ross was coming in just the, the first couple of months that I'd been there, and he, the the difference, he flipped it. He was, he was actually he was a good manager. Uh, I trained a lot with the first team when he was there, so it was good. It, I, I feel it's good just to to be with these teams full time, and then you're coming back part time and stuff. You just you, you've it's a it's a good dynamic. So uh, it's because it's it's crazy as well because. Some of the people don't know it. See, when you actually watch some of the boys for this level and you played at that level, you, you don't realise how good the boys at League One, League Two really are. And some of them have maybe not took care of themselves the same way. Maybe they've no had the luck. There's a lot of different things. So I'm I'm blessed that I've seen two sides of the, the spectrum in football. And that's one thing I would probably say is there's a, probably a lot of boys still at this level that if they put their head to it, could kick right on again. Yeah, it was something, and not to sort of butter up what you were just saying, but it's something that I don't think people appreciate is how high the level is in League 2. Like, to be a footballer at any level, any sort of decent level, is, is ridiculous. And I think back to when I was at school, and, you know, the best players in my year, aside from my good self, but the best players in my year, I, I don't think any of them are still playing, apart from one who is, I think, with Truden or someone like that, kind of west of Scotland League, which is still a good level, obviously. But, like, you think back to the players that I was at school with, and they've obviously not been good enough, not been committed enough to make it. And... It, you must see it in training, like, you know, the things that boys are doing. You're someone who's played at a higher level, but the things that boys are doing at this level that makes you think, I like, hang on a minute here, there's so much talent in lower leagues. No, definitely, I agree, because I don't think most of, uh, like, Scottish football, you probably base it more, you know the players being as good, you're, they're, they're cultural habits, like, like, you're talking about maybe people, I remember I stayed with the, the boy, uh, Jem, the, he was from... Frankfurt, he came straight for the early players and it was the difference in his diet. Like this is just this is just obviously I'm not going too far away from it, but he was just he's talking about we would be eating like chocolate as we were humans, you know what I mean? <laughs> we would be eating so we'd be eating like Nutella or whatever and he would be having he brought this German chocolate and I was like, ah, it's like rabbit food. I was like, ah, that's terrible. And he was like, uh, it had seeds, uh, raisins, everything. I was like, you'd feed that to the birds. And he, and that's what he would eat. He just the the difference you would go for dinner you would be having, or you go on a night out, you would have like a glass of wine, maybe a few, and you'd have other boys that, I'm not sure their name, they'd be spangled at the, at the, at the steaming, do you know what I mean, at the, in, in the nightclub, it was just a different culture, that's just, and I'd say, most things that probably, affect Scottish players, and maybe British players, is, is their Saturday night, they, they enjoy their, their life, they don't probably discipline, the same way as most, these foreigners would, probably leave their country at like 12, 13, 14 years old and move. I mean, I was going to, I moved to, to Aberdeen three, four years down the road and I was going for my mom, <laughs> still 18. So, it's, you know what I mean? It's a different culture and I probably say that's, that was a lot to do with it. But even when you're watching teams like uh, Pollock, I think they were against... Uh, against Annan. Annan, yeah, do you know what I mean? You can, even at junior level, it's you get some talent that just didn't have the discipline with the talent. So... Do you know what I mean it's it's uh it has to it has to be in tandem and 
putting me luck and a cocktail everything else. It just do you know what I mean? So it's it's not everybody's got the same luck of the draw. It's just that when what is it? Uh, when preparation meets opportunity. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like you're sound like you're selling Herbalife on Facebook. That's, a t- that's like the that. title for the podcast. There, isn't <laughs> it? Oh, it's got to be. <laughs> I need money for that. <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, you painted a great image there of the Aberdeen team night out and everybody just getting smashed in a nightclub, but this one German boy with like a wee glass of Malbec just sat in the bar, <laughs> just watching everyone <laughs> in the the vest T-shirt with the chest out, oh. as if it was like in between us and Magaluf, you know, yeah. the chest. That's I was like, that is not the style. <laughs> but still, he was a good, good-looking boy. <laughs> So we've obviously touched a wee bit on your time at St Mirren, but during that you went out on loan to Queen's Park and that I guess was your first proper taste of, of like serious lower league football. I was looking at some of the players that you would have played with uh, at Queen's Park, uh, Dario Zanata, Liam Brown, who we were talking about in the main, who's a really, really good player, uh, David Galt, who's one of my favourite players in the lower leagues ever to have not uh-huh. played for Dumbarton, and uh, unfortunately also Ryan McGeever, you know, kind of bringing the, the general level <laughs> down a wee bit. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but talk me through your loan spell at Queen's Park, how enjoyable was that? Eh, it was really good, because I was only 19 and you're getting to play in Hamden and you're, you're getting tickets for your pals, it was so real, do you know what I mean? And yeah, it was probably at that age as well, you're getting a taste of, oh, this is what I'm at 19, where could I be 25 or 20? No, I'm not happy here, I'm S- just sitting a- in a chilly ball boys room <laughs> at Adam Barton talking to two people behind an elephant costume. Talking about how class we were at football in school, yeah, yeah. Eh, it, was a, it was a good experience, uh, they like going out in the change rooms, it was amazing, eh, just getting to play a first team football, but it was it was good. I it was a brilliant, but it was also an eye opener. And you you start going like, this, "Wow, is this a is this how hard League One is? How hard is the SBA Championship going to be?" And I don't think people really they take for granted how good these low leagues are. Like, see, even at Aberdeen, we would be there, and I would have boys coming in from Man U, Man City, and bear in mind they were like when I start thinking now they were like 25, 26 still never been near uh, or they probably played in good levels in England maybe League 1 uh, some of them had played in Championship they come to the SPL and go ah, how am I not getting anywhere near it and they would well, that's, it's such a physical hard like level of football because they just take for granted because they're only basing it on the wage knowing that the people that are coming up against and they get shocked all the time Yeah, it's interesting as well because you're obviously a player who you're tall you're strong I'm not trying to flirt with you here but you're tall <laughs> really? you're strong you're quick <laughs> Um, so you're making that step and maybe there's a, a level at youth team football where if you've got someone who's really strong or someone who's really quick then they can they can have an impact at youth team level and how often do you see them step up and all of a sudden they've got you know I'm trying to think in, in this Dumbarton team they've got a Ryan McGeever or a Gregor Buchanan who just goes not takes none of it and just smashes them early on so was that something you found when you stepped up you thought hold on a minute here like this is physicality wise this is going to be a completely different kettle of fish uh, oh definitely it's like it's it's crazy because like the physicality it comes I wouldn't say as much physically but it's more up the higher level it's probably more tactically better you'll have the because you've got all week to study it you and it's the fitness levels but I mean you're still playing against people like 14, 15 so defenders that are, are putting their cell on the line it's it's so physical and I think just in general when you go to man's football uh, the, the levelling it levels out a bit it's just uh, if you maybe think that wee bit quicker you react that wee bit it's the fine margins and when people used to say it's like they 1% that add up you'd be like oh come on what is that 1% but see generally when when everything like you're getting your diet right you're thinking right all these things at once and you start to go alright these these build up to 5-10% and I and when you kind of tell a young boy that but I know now the saying uh, an older head and young shoulders I get that now <laughs> do you like that 
physical side of the game? Uh, well, we're Scottish, so we need it. I mean, yeah. it's much like it, but uh, no, of course, listen, you, I think just as uh, like Scottish players are saying, we just naturally, we're no like Spanish players uh, with the feet, so we just abuse our shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting point, because I, I remember, and this might get laughed at a lot, but I remember Kyle Hutton when he was here, and I always felt, see, if you were to drop Kyle Hutton into like the Spanish third division or something, like I think he would have been an absolute world beater at that sort of level when you get a wee bit more time in the ball. Like he was good physically, but just when he had a wee bit of time in the ball, like he could carve teams right open. And I just think that was a really interesting point. Like, we always assume that people like the physicality because it is so physical up here. But like how, you know, if I was to drop you into, I don't know, a Dumbarton equivalent club in Italy or in Spain or wherever, how how do you think that would suit you? Eh, uh, we always say this, right? But see when, like, I agree with you because I, I have these, like, thoughts in my head. I've got, like, see if I went to, like, Spain or went here, would you have so much more time, would you? But then again, when we play these teams like Celtic, you look at them, you play, if you ever play against Celtic, or whatever, you go, ah, well, they're next level, and then they go play against a Spanish team, and it's like a total <laughs> annihilation, so you're like that, <laughs> like, wait a minute, it's like, was it not meant to be easier on the ball, because like, they seem to never be able to keep it, so I, I don't know, but I, I do get that, it's like, I've spoke to people and they say it was less uh, less physical and you had more time, and I was like, if that's the truth, then it's a dream, you know what I mean, I'd love to be there. You must fancy a wee season in Italy, maybe, some at some point, no? See the relatives. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd probably be good. I'm, but I'm such a home bird, I don't know. That's a good point. If you can manage yeah. Aberdeen, then you know Sicily might be a bit difficult, aye. Aye. Yeah. The weather might help, but we got food and aye. Anyway, so, getting back. And the women. You said that, not me. Um, getting back to uh, slightly more salubrious surroundings, and uh, you signed for Brecon, and that was obviously your kind of permanent move. Uh, talk me through that time because we were talking about it in the car and, and for Brecon City that was obviously a, a really disastrous season, a really weird season but Yeah, what, I, was, what was that like? How did, how, yeah, how did you keep going? Because as a young player especially, like for any team in any league, like I'm thinking to boys club right the way up, like if you're not winning a game all season, you're trekking up to Brecon, like that must have been really hard going. Should have had this in the contract, not be mentioned. Uh, <laughs> you can see the PTSD in your eyes. McGeever's maybe worse. <laughs> oh, I, well, for, see, for McGeever, it probably was worse because the the age of it at the time. Because see, for me, it was more like obviously you want to win, you were trying to win. It was really disheartening every week, and, like because it would always we would always be the last ten minutes. That was like the part time in the full time league. Like we were. We were blown a gasket in the last 10 minutes and they would always get goals so but for me it was more I was looking to I'd left St Mirren we were in the same league as them I had uh, I just uh, I'd scored against them and stuff like that so a lot of things in the season were good for me because I'd just left the club and then you're scoring at their stay in front of all the boys that were in your same reserve team like a few months ago but is, is there like a wee element as well at that age where you're thinking if I can get through this you know I'll be able to get through anything in my career well that's exactly what I was saying and it was like more I was more come probably from a selfish point of view the more probably most of the young players under like 22, 23 were probably thinking to themselves right we're playing the championship we scored a few goals got a few assists there's potential to maybe go to a full time team the next year but like that, isn't, that wasn't my first thought but it's like it was soothing the blow a wee bit do you know what I mean you're thinking to yourself right I could still use this as, as to kick on to a bigger platform so but I think if it was now and it happened to me it would be like oh your world would be shattered because now you're at the stage you just you want to win something you want to that's what football's about at the end of the day when you're younger it's about getting to a team where you can eventually win stuff but now I'm at that stage where I want to win stuff I, I want to win the, win the league this league I mean it's a it's a different aspect now 
And looking at the season after that as well for breaking, that was obviously a, you know, a disaster as well. What, looking back on it, and I, I won't put you through this for much longer, but looking back on it, what what could change? Like, why why could Breakin not turn that around? They changed manager, they changed players, they must have changed formation countless times. Like, why did it never turn around? I think winning and losing is both a habit. I feel either way. I think uh, even the likes of listen, I'm not talking bad about our team because I love our team, but we were amazing the first five, six games, and then the first five or six games carried us on for the next three or four because it, like, you're, you're getting penalties, you're getting had like balls bouncing off people going in you because it happens it's just that maybe it's something how powerful your mind is that you're just you're, you're already believing you're going to win I don't know what it is but it's like that and it, and that just had the, the counter effect it was like we were getting beat all the time so we were thinking who, how are we going to get away a penalty who, what ball's going to hit off me and go in I hope it isn't me that hits off and goes in it's like so it just probably just becomes a habit I feel that's why we couldn't tell it run because it's just it's like you're, you're stuck in the mud after that just uh, and the more you fight with it the deeper you go yeah and obviously your time at Brecon did in a way have a happy ending because you got to move to Morton so talk me through how that came about because that must have been such a boost after a really difficult couple of seasons and you're back, back playing full time it was actually quite funny because I, I was in a I was, I was in a, a restaurant at the time with friends and obviously I was just like that what, what am I going to do like what am I going to do here in my career <laughs> I'm thinking should I just uh, go to Ibiza for a week and just uh, forget forget about it <laughs> uh, no I was, I was uh, so I got a phone call when I was with my friends I was like I don't know it's going to happen about the football two minutes later my phone goes and I've answered it and it was a it was an, an agent a Alex McDonald and he, he phoned me and he was saying uh, it's just the way he, he phoned me but it was like out the blue I was like this is obviously a total wind up so he's phoned me he's like by the way uh, I, I'm Alex how are you doing he was like hey, Martin what are you saying you, are you interested in coming in on Friday and it was like a Wednesday it was like a Wednesday like two days and I'm like he's the pure wind up and he's already like oh the uh, uh, David Hopkins is wanting you and stuff, and I was like, to my, I was like, and then you go hung up, and I was like, somebody's trying to ban me up. I was like, one of you's ban me up. I was like, because uh, it's just quite a, a tender spot in my life. Like, I, I don't need this right now. And he was like, and then he was mailing me through Instagram, and I was like, oh, this is his real profile. And if he's not been hacked, then this could be quite legit. Uh, and I was like, ah. so I phoned my mum, and I was like, listen, I think that she's, and my mum's one of the like pure old school. She's like, listen, if it's too good to be true, do you know, and don't get yourself too, too, too up about it. So eventually I was like, listen, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just basically see if this is what it is. So I, I set my alarm, went with him, and then, he's, then he, he's like, come meet me. And before you, he, he made me drive, so I was like, <laughs> oh no, I was like, something. This is pure rubbish. So then I got there, and then eventually I, I'd signed and everything. And I was like, my mum, I was like, oh my god, I, I still I'm going to Ibiza, but I mean, like, <laughs> I was like, ah, this is amazing. It just wasn't planned. It's not as if like they spoke to my club or anything like that. I was I was in a restaurant, and then a few days later I signed for them. Uh, so you hadn't uh, had any contact with any other club at that no, point? No, I, I hadn't even spoke to anybody. I was just, you're probably at that uh, uh, part in your life of just like, what am I going to do? What, what, where am I going to go? And then it just it just came up once. So they, I was probably, I was doing like the interviews with them when I first got there. And bear in mind, you're talking about, I hadn't, I've, I've not got a team in mind. I've been part-time, you're, you're probably a bit less professional than you used to be at full time, so you're probably you're hiking, you're you're just like uh, your pals, and then uh, you're going in, you're doing interviews, and you're you're meeting all different people, and 
they, they're asking you to ask questions and you're you're saying cringy stuff that you wouldn't have said if you were going for a full time team. I was like, ah, yeah, it's my dream move and all that. <laughs> I know the Mons not a big club, but there are people are probably the old boys for the team that signed the blast. It was a crackpot. <laughs> so it was good, man. It was uh, it was good experience, man. How enjoyable was your time at Morton? And what was David Hopkins like to work under? I I loved uh, Morton. I never, I didn't expect to. To know sign again with them, but I'd, I'd, I'd always done well with them. Like the fans liked me, I got on with all the boys, and it was just it probably cut quite deep because it was just a pure like instant thing. Like I, I was like to the boys, I don't know about the manager, I don't know if he, if he fancies me or no, and they were like, no, you'd be fine. So they, you, they're they're telling you that, and then you go in, and you're like, oh, gutted. And then you, <laughs> it was a uh, so I, I loved my time there, and it was quite local in my house. It was not far from Yorker. Uh, so I deal with Mises though. <laughs> but my time there was good. It's like it's like here as well. It's just it's brilliant. So if you get a good bunch of boys, it's it's not really it's not a job. Do you know what I mean? That's why you moved to Dumbarton then. You just looked at Yoker on the map and went, What's the nearest senior club? I'll just turn up at their training and maybe we'll take them. Is that uh, is that how that happened? I, no, <laughs> I, I always had a, I always thought I would beat Dumbarton. Now you always have that team that you always think there's potential I'll be there. I don't know if it was just because it was down the road for me, I don't know, because I, I seem to always play against them in the championship, like league where I've played in all different leagues against them, so I always just thought I would come here. And I'm glad I did. Like this would be like if this club was like a full time club, it'd be like perfect. Such a central belt for a lot of people. It's it's like it's a good club. It's got a good wee stadium. When you spoke to Stevie Farrell, then what sort of sold you on the move? Was it purely the locality, <laughs> or was it you know because thousands and thousands of pounds? <laughs> uh, no, it, it's, or the chocolate you can eat, right? <laughs> no, that was mere convincing. Uh, but I uh, know it was it was just he was a good guy. I liked uh, what like his views what he wanted the team to be, how he wanted to play, and it's just just as a guy, he was just a nice man. Like that's like Had you come across him before in any No, never. It was it actually wasn't because I'd still another option almost it but I'd another option to sign with a championship club full time in the in the championship and and for me obviously to pick like one team over that, it, it must have been a Obviously made a good impression. I met him, and it was just in your. You're thinking if I'm going to be spending like a lot of time with with a manager, you're, you know I mean, even though even though it's part time, you're three, four times a week. You're, you're still more than you meet some of your family or some other. Because you want it to be somebody that you go like, you know what? Out with if he's moaning at me or the net, he's still a good guy. Do you know what I mean? And he's all right to be around. So that probably sold it for me. How did you find adapting back to being part time? Because obviously you'd been full time, <coughs> part time, full time, and then back to being part time. So it's obviously a big change in lifestyle. Eh. I, it probably was a, a massive difference because I, I still was quite a routine person regardless anyway so I would always just replace that week at least go to the gym early in the morning and but that's that was probably the only maybe thing that I did miss out is the structure of just getting up and playing football like every day as a full time job I, I did miss that I would love to be full time with a bunch of boys like it's in there that would be a bit like the what is that what was that team with Vinnie Jones and that in it it's and, uh, Wimbledon, Wimbledon the, the, crazy, Wimbledon, the, crazy, uh, gang. the crazy gang that, that generally would be that because there's some wild boys in there <laughs> <laughs> so we won't obviously stick in it for too long but last season obviously did not end well but it started so well and then it went downhill how do you reflect on last season because do you feel that team underachieved for the quality it had uh, definitely, I think uh, coming out the league was n- should have never been an option. Like even for boys, even when we were probably St. Bolton, we were thinking, no, this is just it. It will turn. It will turn. We were a good bunch of boys, and at worst, we're a League One team. Do you know what I mean? Uh, 
Oh, no, I don't, I don't know. We didn't expect that at all. Because, I mean, we were top at, this, at one point, such a drastic turnover. Uh, and then I think that's probably put the fear of God in is why we had to win last week against uh, Annan because we were probably thinking, oh, no, this is, is this a repeat? Is this that? And it, obviously, it's, it's quite far fetched. But, you're, you, do, I mean, you don't know if football can turn at any moment. So, uh, I, I don't know. It was just, it was. It was a shock, shock to always. And so what's it like for to be in this dressing room and this team now for yourself <coughs> personally and the team? For you, this is probably the first time you've already sort of touched on it that you're in a title race at the top of the league. The manager's come out and said that it's a title race as well. You know, you, you've you said you want to win this league, you want to win some silverware, some, some medals. Like, how, how has that been this season? Eh, I think... I don't really know. I think the a different type the, of pressure, maybe, or of course, because like as the the gaffer always says, this is if you can't deal with pressure, then don't play football. Like, it's, it's a pressure job. If you don't, I mean, it's, that's what it's about. And the higher levels you do go, the more pressure it becomes. And I think it's something we just need to deal with. It's a, it's a title race. I mean, you'd rather a race at the top than at the bottom. And uh, I think we've just built a good a good foundation in the team, a good mindset that we're all just together. We've got Matty the Sports Science as well now, it's scientists. We've got like everything the like we've got added things that we didn't have before and we've went we've went in a league. There's no reason why we can't win. I'm not down because there's some good good teams and good players in here, but there's there's no reason why we can't win it and why we shouldn't. Do you think it fires up the guys like so you, uh, Gregor Buchanan, Stuart Carswell, Greg Wilde was obviously here for a bit last season, like right throughout the team there are players who've been here last season. Do you think it fires you up a wee bit more because I'm guessing there's almost that wanting to put it right what happened last year. And we're seeing it with you, we're seeing it with Bucky who's been phenomenal this season. Joe McKee's playing every week and playing really, really well. Cars has been phenomenal this season, that we're just seeing maybe players wanting to want to put things right from last year. Ah, definitely, because it's probably it, it means more to them. Do you know what I mean? We've all been here together. It was a, a kick to the gut, and uh, it's good when it's there's a good fuse that it's personal too. Do you know what I mean? The boys that have just come in, it's like they're just thinking, oh, we're going to win a league. But for us, we're thinking, no, it's it's, it's about redeeming ourselves, and, uh, and and for the even for the gaffer still, like he's got that mindset. Franco, we've all got that. So. I think that helps, and I think the fact that we've got so many boys still that were there from League One that were could play play championship. Some of the boys, do you know what I mean? It's I think straight away that's a an advantage mentally always because we go well, I've got players that are that could easily if they turn it on could be in team of the year. Do you know what I mean? So it probably it's it's good for us. Right, last of all, because then we'll let you get on and get into changing room where the tunes are going in the background that we can hear. But here's a good question to put you on the spot, and I like to kind of throw one of these in at the end. But of all the players that you've been teammates with, if you could sign one for this Dumbarton team, who would it be? And I've just seen Chris do the kind of Vicente Del Bosque wolf face. If I could sign one player to come. Yeah, one player to come to Dumbarton who's been your teammate in the past. <sighs> Uh, and you're going to get texts after this from all the guys you didn't pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually thinking because I don't know. <sighs> Do you know one one player that's probably I don't know if he's been uh, a strange one or not, but there's a guy that I played with. It was our Morton captain, Captain Jim McAllister. Yeah, which is so good. Like one of the guys. It's not just what he would do when he was on the pitch. It was a. Uh, it was unbelievable. Like, I've never saw a guy like see when people say the demands in training, like for like the top players. Like I never saw a guy that was like never know of it. He would like the oldest in the team or one the oldest who won all the fitness tests. He would never give the ball away. He would always. He was just a good pro. He was a good guy. Uh, 
I mean, probably him because I know he would have a good ripple effect in the team. I'm no no such skill wise. That just that's the top of my head. Who I think would just as a winner help us win the league. He would be right up there. Now, am I right in saying Jim McAllister is now a kit man at Rangers? Have I made that up? Eh, uh, I know he is. Uh, he is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, not not specifically at Rangers, but I know that we've spoken about it. And just like being a kit man at a kind of like fully high level professional club would just be like a dream. I've genuinely like. applied for a couple of those jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he is a diehard like. I remember when you boys would say comments about Rangers and stuff like that. You would take the nap. It was, it was a captain, you know that. <laughs> like he generally, but like he couldn't he couldn't bear to like, like have any like bad chat about uh, Rangers. I think they call that staunch. <laughs> There's a few <laughs> words for it, but we'll <laughs> Well, on that note, we will end uh, our chat with you, Calvin, before uh, before it goes into an old formality that we don't want to get bowled down. But no, thank you very much for joining thank us. You. And uh, aye, if you score today, you have to give us some sort of commentary-related celebration. I will do. What, what? <laughs> anything you want. It can be shushing the lips for the amount of times that we've mentioned your gold drought or anything like that. But aye, whatever you want, just as long as it's commentary-themed. Thank oh you. yeah, so I actually, just you mentioned the gold route there, I will just throw in, see on um, a website I use quite a lot for the statistics transfer mark, you're still credited with that goal on the opening day of the season, right at the start. With the, the Declan with Declan's yeah. That was me then. <laughs> <laughs> the photos no and the videos right say it otherwise, but you're claiming it and the record books don't lie, so it's your um, goal. Exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> Galvin, thank you for joining us. Thanks guys. And too good, too bad. <laughs> You can really hear the tunes getting up in here now, so that means we're getting far too close to kick off and we really should have finished recording this hours ago. But we are now at Too Good, Too Bad, the stage where we select one thing that's caught our eye for the right reasons across the lower leagues over the past, well, however many weeks it is since we did a podcast, and one thing that's caught our eye for the wrong reasons. And uh, Chris McMillan, I want you to start, and I want you to start with your bad. My too bad is maybe somewhat predictable, but the introduction of VAR in Scottish football, I know it's not at this level and only in the Premier League. Which is a big relief. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, I spend a, a lot of time watching a certain English team who have floated between the, the Championship and the Premier League. And uh, in the Premier League with VAR, it was absolutely awful. I couldn't stand it. It really took it took away from me. There was a game I was at... Uh, don't know if you'll remember it, but uh, it was a certain last-minute equaliser went in from Robert Snodgrass, I think it was, at West Ham, and uh, it got disallowed by VAR for the most ridiculous knock off Declan Rice's arm for a handball, and the weight and the cheer for the VAR, the goal being disallowed by VAR was louder than the goal that we scored, and. I think there's some people that would say, well, that's a good laugh, it's funny, you know, it's, it was great, it's a second celebration, but for me, I just didn't like it at all. Uh, now watching Championship football, I am so much more at ease with, all right, it might be offside, but that's it, that's what happens. And I was just absolutely terrified about the prospect of it being brought into Scottish football, mainly because of, uh, you know, us as Scottish people and maybe certain fan bases and certain fixtures which I'm sure we're n- <laughs> not I don't know even what you're talking about. well we're uh, we've not even seen what the potential oh. peak might be with that type of thing and I don't think there was any you know massively particular howlers in the first you know week or so or anything like that but I just I've dreaded it and now that it's here I'm I'm fearing it and also how many times are we going to have to listen to Andy Walker or his guys just going, oh, but they're checking it. 
just like that's just something I didn't I'll, need to I'll hear. just very very quickly jump in and say that I agree with you I'm not a fan of VAR and also uh, last week Tony Watt got sent off and it wasn't going to be a foul at the time I don't think and then the VAR intervened and said it's a red card maybe then, that is the howler and, I was missing and then, actually then they appealed yeah. it and it got downgraded to a yellow card so they went to VAR and VAR made a game changing mistake so I, yeah I'm with you on that uh, my my bad is going to be <laughs> some Scottish Cup opponent, so that obviously doesn't ogre well, but it's going to be Clyde. <laughs> uh, I gave Clyde my two good at the start of the season. They started with a 4-1 win against Queen of the South, and they were absolutely fantastic that day. Uh, and since then, they've gone off a cliff. They've got seven points. They're being reeled in by a Peterhead team that seems to add players every week. I have that written down, fallen off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. that's the exact way of putting it. Uh, Peterhead, who have had a dreadful summer recruitment-wise, who seem to be signing players from here, there and everywhere and getting no tune out of them whatsoever. Um, but Clyde are within touching distance for them. And they've parted company with Danny Lennon, which I think it was the right time. I think everybody accepted that. But it is a shame Danny Lennon is a, a guy I've got a lot of time for. When you speak to, like I think I've spoken to, host of managers in lower leagues for doing games for like both papers and things like that and Dan Lennon is one of my favourite managers to speak to he's a really classy guy he's, he, his knowledge his love for football just comes completely like it's so clear he just he just loves talking about football um, and I'm sorry to see him go but it's obviously probably the right time for him but I don't know I don't know where Clyde, Clyde go from here there's not an obvious candidate out there well, I also just wanted to bring up a very small selfish thing about the Scottish Cup draw so I was watching that and I think it got down to the last three balls and it was Dumbarton, Clyde and Dunfermline. And I really wanted Dunfermline for us to kind of come full circle. That was the first game we did on Suns TV Live together and I was really, really hoping for that. But Didn't even think of that potential. Alas, we get Clyde again. <laughs> but yeah, so Clyde, but what we should also say, um, and it's a, it's a big get well soon from both of us to Connor Duthie, who of course was Suns Player of the Year last season. And the change that we saw in Connor Duthie when he came in, he'd obviously been out of football for a wee while, came in last season and his, he was phenomenal, his fitness levels were incredible, he was a player that you could never ever say you know, wasn't playing for the shirt, he scored a few important goals, he should have scored a few more, I think he, he could have easily had double figures and I think he'll know that himself and won't mind me saying but Connor, uh, they found that he had a hole in his heart and he's been through surgery for that which looks like it's been successful, he's, he's back in light training with Clyde but aye, to Connor Duthie, hopefully if there is a man that can help turn Clyde's season around then it's, it's Connor Duthie. Yeah, all the very best to you in your recovery and get well soon. So that leaves us with our two goods and I'm going to start by hoping that I can use my cursing powers to... <laughs> to bring this team back down to earth. My too good is Sterling Albion. Now, whenever I've given a team a too good on this podcast, they've gone off a cliff. So you can all see what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> Apologies to Darren Young and to the folk I work with who are Sterling Albion fans. But it's not it's not great uh, great radio, but you are you are you are it's moving around, you're excited. This, you're this just, you it. think that the curse is real? I've got the power, and now I'm going to bring Sterling Albion down, and I'm going to get Suns back up to the top of the league, back to their rightful place at the summit of League Two. But uh, no, to do a Lampardian transition there, in all seriousness, you have to hand it to Sterling Albion. They have been absolutely red hot re- uh, recently. They are a really good team to watch, as well as being a, a team who've been on fire. They're scoring an awful lot of goals. Um, I love the Robert Thompson Dale Carrick strike force. Robert Thompson, a player that I'd, I'd loved when he was here, he's just a big cult hero, a big Dimitar Berbatov of the lower leagues, this gorgeous first touch and his like wee turns that he does and his arrowed finishes, I just, I've got so much time for Robert Thompson, I think he's a, a brilliant player to watch, he can wind you up something awful, because of his kind of 
weird lanky style, but I, I have so much time from it. And Dale Carrick's always a player that's had an eye for goal and always a player I've liked and always a player I, I think is a bit underappreciated. He scored quite a few goals for Airdrie and, and then he rocked up at Sterling Albion down the division and I just felt like you know, he was a player who'd still scored a good number of goals in League One. So my two good are Sterling Albion, firstly because I want to curse them and secondly because they have been too good for everyone they've played over well, the past I seven mean, weeks or so. Curse or no curse, uh, could could be quite an interesting tussle in the rest of the season. There's, there's still a few fixtures to come between the two and yeah, as it stands I think I'm quite looking forward to them but <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So I, uh, my two good, uh, was a bit unsure here, we're going to go, was going to go with Morton but going to change it and go with Ayr and Morton but change it again a little bit just imagine if Ayr and Morton got promoted together they really like one of the two of them could really become this year's our broth and you might get all the neutrals uh, rooting for them but just just think about that for a second imagine those two could pull that off I'd really like I'd really like a top a top flight uh, Kelly Air as well, I must say. That would be good. I, yeah. I, the idea of Capital in the top flight is something that fills me with joy. I yeah. just think that would be great. And Capital is a brilliant stadium. Everyone thinks I hate it because I don't fit in the main stand, which is partially <laughs> true. But I actually I love it as a stadium. I just hate the main stand legroom. Like the rest of the stadium, I think it's a brilliant place to watch football. I think when it's rocking, like it's got a really intense, intimidating atmosphere. You've got fans right on top of the players. It's a proper old school stadium down like a street. It's like going back in time. Uh, I could make a comment about Greenock there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic place to watch football, and I think it'd be a wonderful addition to the top flight that would annoy all the right people. Yeah, I think I could almost just say that you're too good. It's probably just the championship in general at the moment. The league table's incredible. Uh, no one seems to know what's going on, and it's 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 going to be really fascinating to see how it how it pans out. And yeah, if it panned out in, in that sort of a way with the uh, with Morton just winning the league, that would, uh, yeah, that there's. I'm sure there'd be quite a few fans that wouldn't be happy about that. But from my point of view, I think that would be quite enjoyable to see. Bold prediction. Welcome to Bold Predictions, the time where me and Chris McMillan put our reputations, if we have them, on the line by saying something really bold that will definitely not come back to haunt us. Um, and my bold prediction actually leads on from your point that you were making in Too Good Too Bad there. Um, and my bold prediction is that this is Air United's time to finally get promoted. Now, there are a few reasons for that. Firstly, they're really, really good at the moment. Secondly, and I know that he's from the wrong side of Sheffield, but I, I really like Lee Bullen as a manager. I think he... I am one. I am interested to know how many Sheffield Wednesday fans took up that uh, offer of. I think it was just going to an air match for free if you had a Wednesday season ticket. Uh, there must be some because they love Lee Bullen down there. They are Lee Bullen daft. Ah, but they're probably very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way. Yeah, we've that's us alienated half of Sheffield. But it's already <laughs> alienated anyway, so it doesn't matter. But no, it's it's Air United's time, and we've seen Air have had under Ian McCall. They had a, a brilliant couple of seasons actually but they had the season with Shankland where he scored an obscene number of goals they had the likes of Alan Forrest eh, and guys like that they had Stephen Kelly down on loan there who's a player that I, I'm a huge fan of but this championship look at the teams about them right Morton I, I think Morton's squad doesn't have the depth to go all the way in a title fight Inverness seem to be a bit hit and miss but they're they're not they're not exciting me in any way Queen's Park do excite me but they always deflate me when I watch them feel like they've got a great squad on paper and I, I get really excited at the prospect and I saw them on TV against Cove last night and, and it was rubbish. Like they've got a really exciting group of players there and an unusual group of players for lower league Scottish football and I like the Owen Coyle as manager aspect, I find that just a wee bit surreal but they're, Coyle. <laughs> they're just a bit, they're just a bit, 
uh, they don't, there's something about them that they don't quite turn it on every week. Same goes for Partick Thistle. There's a group of players that excites me, but they're fifth in the league and they've been absolutely dreadful for the past four or five weeks. Well, Partick Thistle or Partick Thistle? That's, that's what they do, isn't you it? You ever heard, uh, did you hear Philip O'Claire on the Football Weekly where he says, Rabio is Rabio is Rabio? Thistle or Thistle or Thistle? It's never ever going to change, is it? And then we've got Dundee, everyone's favourites for the league, who are sick and, and really uninspiring. And then a club who, I, I like the look of their squad, but I don't think they're quite there yet, is Wraith Rovers with Ian Murray. And then you've got Cove, Hamilton and Arbroath, who are all kind of bottom feeders in the league at the minute and, and not looking like they're going to do an awful lot. So this is Air United's time. If Air United are going to get into the Premier League, and I'm actually pointing, we're not doing this on camera, but I'm actually pointing as if I'm telling Lee Bullen that this is his chance. If Air United are going to get into the Premier League, as a club that I've got a wee bit of a soft spot for, I think we both do, we went to uni down there. Um, if Air United are going to get into Premier League, Lee Bullen, your time is now. Well, let me point a finger at you. If Capolo in the top flight would be exciting to you, how exciting is Somerset? in the yeah. top flight and they're going to put a cover on the really open bit of terracing at Somerset Park so if you're in the home end which I've only been a couple of times but you're not going to get drenched so you've got a huge bit of terracing Premier League oh be fantastic well I'll just quickly talk about the championship because the last time on the podcast I said it was Partick Thistle and they've lost four in the league conceded four against Queen's Park four against Ayr three against Wraith I've Dundee today Wraith, uh, Morton next after that and yeah, I got it. You said this was a better reputation. I got that massively wrong, and then just slated Thistle as you were talking about them. Because why did I pick Thistle? I knew Thistle weren't going to be top. But I just thought I'd say it anyway. For someone who spent the vast majority of your life in the West End of Glasgow, you should have known what was coming. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know that's that 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 is it. Uh, and yeah, you said here. I'll say Morton. Go on for the next one. That's our bold prediction. Yeah. Let's see what, where we are in, in a month's time. Yeah, I find, two I've, teams are sitting eighth and ninth in the league. I fancy Morton to beat this one, I mean, now. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Rock and Goal podcast. Thank you to Chris for joining me, and an even more special thank you to Calvin for joining us on a match day when I don't think my head would be in the, <laughs> in the right place to do that sort of stuff. So, consummate professional that he was. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We have to do the bit where we say like, subscribe, share. Um, uh, f- uh, five star review. Five star review. Yep. do all that great stuff that helps us because the more five star reviews the more we get paid yes yes <laughs> because we can't get paid any less so the more five star reviews the more that you help to fund our Gregs on a match day so thank you very much everyone for listening yes thank you very much pleasure